Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to the Insight. Today we delve into a significant development in international relations as a bill calling for the comprehensive review of the United States relations with South Africa has been introduced to the U.S. Congress. This comes in the wake of the International Court of Justice's ruling which found it plausible that Israel has committed acts of genocide in Gaza. The bill, co-sponsored by Republican Representative John James and Democratic Representative Jared Moskowitz, alleged that South Africa's foreign policy actions, particularly its relations with Hamas, China and Russia are inconsistent with its publicly stated policy of non-alignment. So Professor Henny Stradham, an international law expert from the University of Johannesburg, joins us to shed light on this complex issue. Um, Professor Stradham, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you and uh, good day. So Professor Stradham, can you provide us maybe with an overview of the allegations made um, in the US Congress regarding South Africa's relations with China, Russia, Iran and of course Hamas? Yeah, well, that... Um Draft legislation that was submitted um, has the the objective um, to ask the uh, the government uh, to review um, in, a, in a sort of comprehensive way the relationship between the United States uh, and South Africa. And uh, in justifying that request or the bill that is now before Congress, um, the U.S. government has raised concerns about South Africa's relationship with Iran, China, Russia, and also Hamas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has also raised a number of other issues uh, in, in that context. Um, and the the argument is uh, by the representatives who submitted the draft that um, what is ongoing at this point in time concerning South Africa and its relationship with those countries, including, of course, the case it brought uh, against Israel in the ICJ, is that it may have implications uh, for uh, the interests, the broader interests of the United States, including security interests. So that is a gist uh, of of that legislation. Um, And, uh, I mean, it's still in in, in draft form, so um, it may not even made it into actual law, but uh, we have to await that process to unfold to its end. Yes. How, how does South Africa respond to these allegations, particularly concerning its supposed inconsistency with the policy of non-alignment in international affairs? Yeah, the policy of non-alignment neutrality, you quite correctly uh, pointed out. Um, and the history behind that is the following. Um, when the Ukraine issue uh, ended up uh, in the UN General Assembly, and even before that, uh, South Africa made it clear uh, on a number of occasions that uh, uh, it's going to to adopt a neutral position and that it it wants to remain uh, non-aligned mm-hmm. uh, in conflicts of that kind. And when the the matter uh, was transferred to the UN General Assembly uh, after the the uh, Security Council was blocked uh, by the exercise of the veto by Russia. South Africa again persists in uh, its claim to neutrality and non-alignment. Um, and I think at the time um, it was a very short-sighted uh, approach by South Africa or argument uh, because it was quite clear that it, it could not have been uh, sustained uh, by South Africa given its, uh, its other sort of relationships it has. Mm-hmm. And the, the proof of that was shortly after after South Africa's uh, you know uh, statements in the General Assembly and and which uh, ended in a uh, in a vote of abstention on all the resolutions taken against Russia. Uh, 
that South Africa, the, the president of South Africa, after that, addressed the um, the general meeting of the uh, of the of the assembly, the annual meeting, and in that meeting, it it sort of complained about uh, the Israeli activities that was before the uh, the current conflict yes it complained about the israeli activities uh, in 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 the occupied territories and uh, you know put forward a, a strong case for the exercise of the right to self determination by palestine so in that instance there was no neutral stance uh, uh, it was uh, you know singling out israel as 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 a problem uh, with the uh, in in that sort of uh, region and with the conflict between palestine and israel so there, there was a bit of a double standard applied, um, and subsequently, uh, after the the military campaign by Israel uh, following the uh, Hamas attack of 7 of October, um, South Africa has come out very strongly against Israel and the way in which it is conduct, conducting its military campaign. So again, uh, South Africa abandons uh, its neutral position mm-hmm. uh, in that regard. And that is what the... Um, and what the uh, the Americans are now sort of uh, putting forward as as one of the reasons that South Africa is not sticking to its guns uh, in uh, when it makes claims of that kind. So it it chops and changes uh, all the time. And it seems, uh, if you look at it objectively, that uh, the the claim to new to neutrality and non-alignment only applies in certain cases. In this case, uh, when 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 Russia is at the receiving end. Of condemnatory resolutions, um, so there's a bit of uh, untrustworthiness, if we can call it that, uh, concerning South Africa's claim to neutrality. Mm. Now, South Africa is a sovereign sta- state. So, when does sovereignty versus alliance or friendship between nations come into play? Yeah, once again, a good question on your side. Um, uh, of course, uh, every state. Um, under the rule of sovereignty, can decide who will be its friends and who will not be its friends. Uh, and it will always decide uh, under the, uh, the principle of sovereignty how it will conduct foreign relations. Mm. That, okay, so no, it's quite correct to say that South Africa as a sovereign country may decide how it will conduct its sovereign, uh, its its uh, international relations, um, uh, and it can decide uh, who it will have good relations with and who will be its uh, sort of uh, friends, if that is a correct term to mm-hmm. use. Yes. Um, but I mean, sovereignty. Uh, you know, there's a flip side to to that coin. Uh, other states uh, who may not feel happy about how things are developing on South Africa's side may equally claim the sovereign right to reconsider their relations with South Africa. Um, and um, I think that is what, what is happening now um, in this uh, issue the U.S. has uh, with South Africa, that it sees uh, certain developments, uh, rightly or wrongly, mm-hmm. it makes certain inferences, and uh, that is then uh, the time uh, from their point of view to reconsider the current relationship with South Africa. Quite a, a tricky situation that South Africa sees itself in, considering also um, if we look at um, the nature of the bill in Congress, which is, uh, um, we can ask then which one of the entities, the Democrats or the Republicans, w- would more likely be aligned with South Africa on this? Because they both have come up, um, in, I mean, both of the um, parties have actually uh, brought about the bill. Yeah, you're quite the, the two representatives. Representatives uh, submitted one is from the Republican, the other from a, uh, the Democrat 
Karipati. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a, an interesting movement. So it's very difficult for me to say what the support is, um, uh, you know, yes. in, in each one of these components or parties uh, in Congress for a matter of this kind. But to answer your question more directly, uh, who do you think will be more likely to, to side with South Africa or to maintain relations with South Africa? I think it uh, would certainly be um, uh, the Democrats. Uh, but I mean, things change so so quickly now, mm. and with Trump, yes. Trump uh, in run again, uh, that introduces an element that is totally unpredictable um, because uh, we do not know what the, what the thinking is on on his side at this point in time, and, and with the new developments internationally, uh, it's, it's a wild card. Uh, that's all I can say. Mm-hmm. No. When we look at it, what are some of the considerations when this is put before Congress, when they look at this bill, and, and who would be speaking on behalf of South Africa? Well, I think we can um, we can uh, sort of assume that at the diplomatic level, South Africa will um, you know discuss it uh, with their counterparts uh, in in the US government, mm-hmm. um, and that there will be an exchange of views and information. So via diplomatic channels, I think South Africa is perhaps. Uh, already busy with that. I've seen a, a brief report in one of the Sunday newspapers that uh, our foreign minister apparently is now trying to make interventions. I do not know what the, the scope and the nature of those interventions are. Yes. But I think in a normal uh, you know, course of events, uh, it will probably be at this point in time dealt uh, via diplomatic channels. Um, and that information may, may May have an impact on the outcome, or may not have an impact on the outcome, depending on on the substance and uh, of of the contents thereof. Mm. Now, I think the biggest questions for South Africans would be: How could the proposed review of relations between the U.S. and South Africa impact our bilateral trade, our diplomatic ties, the foreign aid, especially considering initiatives like AGOA? Yeah, that is uh, that is a crucial point uh, you are raising. I think everybody, especially the in uh, the invest investment community mm-hmm. um, in in South Africa, watching this closely, because via AGOA uh, we might be in trouble um, if uh, Congress decides that uh, they have to rescind and even suspend or reduce. Uh, the, the preferential treatment uh, South Africa is enjoying under AGOA. So, um, yeah, that that is one of the, I think, the more worrisome um, potential consequences uh, should this this bill becomes uh, a, a sort of uh, an act. Yes. Um, I am not so sure whether you know there will be uh, at the diplomatic level um, issues, but this is where where the most um, a serious effect uh, could uh, occur um, should there be a, a complete uh, re- re- revision of, of the trade relations with South Africa. Mm-hmm. What about diplomatic ties? Um, you know, South Africa, I think, uh, is, is more um, involved now with BRICS as we see. Do you think there's need or will there be a strengthening of the alliances, particularly when they feel, or South Africa is feeling pressured by the U.S. regarding its international relations. Yeah, I think the strengthening of ties with the BRICS partners will um, will will be pursued um, and will advance in that direction, irrespective of of this incident. Mm-hmm. But this incident with the U.S. may may strengthen the resolve uh, to fast track that development. And certainly, there is. Um, there is a, a sort of a feeling amongst uh, BRIC partners that uh, they will have to um, they will have to um, 
bring about a different constellation of arrangements uh, internationally. Um, and uh, BRICS will be one of the one of the instruments uh, used uh, for that purpose. And then when we when we look at this, but that that could actually work in the opposite as well, because that could just get America to feel more um, sort of uh, to retaliate, for want of a better way of putting it, against South Africa. Oh, certainly, yes. Uh, if if the United States feels that. Um, a movement or a development like that will even worsen um, the situation and may have a broader impact on on the United States interests uh, it may it may sort of uh, uh, you know uh, investigate further further ways of, of dealing with this problem and reacting to it uh, mm. uh, that certainly is the possibility what's the um african country's perspective with regards to south africa's foreign policy decision and the relations with the us and other global powers at the moment it's very quiet um i have seen no no strong reactions from from any of the other uh, african countries this way or another uh, or another uh, i've seen I, I think that um it is not of much interest for them um, and they don't seem to be bothered at this point in time or feel uh, uh, you know anxious about developments um, so there's a there's a neutral position uh, the way i read it uh, and um, uh, holding back on, on coming out and making statements uh, <clears throat> for one or the other side mm-hmm. do you think also that south africa may need to take steps to address these concerns raised by the United States regarding its relationship, particularly with Russia, China, Iran and Hamas, because um, right now, you know, we're seeing even political parties are not happy with what's going on. And um, we know, citizens, I'm sure, with, the, with the elections coming up, are going to look at this as well. Yeah, you're right. It will have domestic implications um, and it already has uh, um, concerning, you know, reactions that you've seen from political parties and so on. And I think it's in South Africa's um, immediate interest to um, to take up uh, the issue with the United States and, and take certain steps um, in order, whatever the uh, the government need, finds necessary, um, in order to try and mitigate the fallout or to uh, you know create a different understanding of the situation on the American side. Uh, doing nothing, I think, would be irresponsible. Mm. Uh, in this current context. But then we can also look at some of the potential consequences that could arise from the escalations um, in the conflicted areas like Gaza, and then particularly when we look at the regional actors, um, Egypt, for instance, being part of Africa, and then the broader humanitarian implications for a civilian population. Do you see that affecting you know, us here on the continent? Uh, you mean uh, on the African continent? Yes. Yeah, no. Uh, well, if there's an escalation of the conflict, and we we have already seen, you know, certain signs of it with the Houthis and Yemen, uh, their sort of attack on ships in the Red Sea and uh, Hezbollah activities, Iran and so on. So attacks on, on American facilities. Um, there is uh, a great potential of, of escalation and, and Egypt is getting jittery about uh, the, uh, the Rafah mm. uh, conflict uh, because it's on its border. Yes, um, and it has, it has also already uh, made some noises to warning the, uh, the Israeli government uh, not to go ahead with it. So, because Egypt stands to lose a lot um, when when the, the, you said there are large flows of, of refugees trying to get uh, across the border into Egypt, 
And of course, that Egypt doesn't want that because it may brought uh, you know greater insecurity to Egypt itself and uh, financial and other implications. Um, and that part, um, the, the northern part of, of Africa, may be sort of directly affected should there be a, a more um, advanced uh, escalation uh, into the region. Uh, concerning hostilities. Mm. And I think everybody in the world now doesn't want that to happen, uh, including the Americans. I mean, they have warned against that. And I think behind the scenes, they're trying their best to, to contain things as they are and to prevent that conflict in, in Rafah, Gaza, to, to get totally out of hand. No, it's in no one's interest for that to happen. Yes. Not in the interest of the region and not in the interest of the broader international community. But at the same time, Professor, we're also watching a genocide unfolding. So, um, you know, where, how do you respond to that from looking at how it would affect countries across, not just in Africa or, um, you know, in the Middle East, but this is going to have impacts on, on, on every single country, seeing as, you know, what's happening. You've just brought it up. It's going to affect our economy because of the Houthis coming into play, Lebanon being attacked. Um, and right now we're seeing what's um, unfolding at the ICJ as well, where countries are saying, this needs to stop and America's vetoed a ceasefire and asked for a temporary one instead. Um, you know, how do we, how do we deal with all of this? Um, when there's just maybe two countries that are actually stopping this from not happening or causing, um, the issues that can actually be stopped? Yeah. You see, conflicts of this kind, um, in most instances have economic implications for the wider, um, community, for the wider community of states. Um, and another example is the the Russia-Ukraine yes. conflict. Mm -hmm. We only have those two states involved in that conflict, but we have seen the consequences for Africa yes. on, on the grain uh, and the fuel issue uh, and in, in Europe. Uh, so across many regions of the world, that conflict had uh, serious re uh, economic repercussions. So, and it's the same with the, uh, the conflict now uh, in Gaza between uh, Hamas and, and Israel and most directly affected are the, the, the states immediate in the immediate vicinity of that conflict. Um, and uh, this is something that I think uh, if that escalates, then uh, the fallout will be even more severe economically, but also politically. And that is why there is now um, serious efforts um, also involving the United States and some other countries to, to prevent that from ha happening and to to bring an end to the conflict. Uh, it is not only because of the security issues, should there be a wider war between more countries and more um, uh, groups or, uh, you know, uh, mm. whatever the nature of it, but also to prevent the uh, a greater economic fallout. Um, and uh, the, you mentioned the what is now going on uh, in the ICJ with the advisory opinion. Yes. Well, that is a very important development. Um, and I think it's uh, it's very appropriate that it happened at this point in time. The the law, uh, the legal principles uh, relied on um, by the states making submissions, and I've seen there are 52 states who have enlisted uh, to to make submissions to the court. That's a large number. It's an it extraordinarily is, yes. large number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so the legal principles they they rely on, including South Africa. I've listened to South Africa's uh, submission yesterday. Um, those legal principles are already established, so there are no new new principles. So we have many uh, UN 
resolutions on it. We have previous advisory opinions and, and rulings by the court. Um, and so it is generally the position, the legal position, that the, the settlements, Israeli settlements, are illegal. The occupation uh, is now almost permanent, which makes it illegal. Yes. Um, so what's happening now is on the basis of established principles and established international law applying to Israeli occupation, on the basis of that, the states now seek an advisory opinion on, on uh, uh, from the uh, from the ICJ um, to the effect that it needs to know what is the status of the occupation. Um, if it is uh, because in terms of international humanitarian law, occupation should be temporary. Yes, but this is now running for decades. Mm-hmm. So, are we actually talking here about an annexation of property? If that is the case, it is totally illegal in international because you cannot annex property from another political entity or a state via the use of force. Okay, this is outlawed. Yes. And they want they want a ruling by the ICJ on that point. Um, and secondly, about the, the settlements. Um, if the court finds that those settlements are indeed uh, illegal as was as he stated by uh, you know principles already accepted and international law already accepted, then the court uh, will then probably also make a ruling on what are the consequences of that for Israel. Israel will have to uh, to remove the settlements, will have to withdraw its presence uh, from the occupied area. So it has vast implications uh, for, for Israel, but also for other states of the world. Yes. Because part of the, part of the uh, applications now before the court um, is to ask the court to say, okay, um, if that is the case, uh, if the, the occupation is illegal and, and all of the rest, then there's a duty on other states of the world not to recognize Israel's occupation. And it, it should not, um, you know, sort of work towards a, a continuation of that situation. Yes. It should end. So internationally, um, the, the, the advisory opinion might have uh, interesting consequences for other uh, states of the international community. Similar position was... Uh, on the cards during the um, uh, Southwest Africa cases in the 1960s and 70s, uh, where um, the courts brought out uh, advisory opinion classifying South Africa's administration as illegal and that there's a duty on other states not to recognize it. Um, So those are the the important or some of the important issues uh, the court will have to decide upon uh, when it uh, it drafts its um, it's advisory opinion. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to be a tough call for them. Uh, we're going to have to wish them all the yeah. luck. But thank you, Professor Strader, yeah. for your time this evening. Much appreciated. Thank you so much, and I wish you all of the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, in conclusion, it's clear from the discussion with Professor Henny Stradham that the proposed bill in the U.S. Congress calling for comprehensive review of relations between the U.S. and South Africa raises some significant questions about sovereignty, alignment and the implications for both countries' foreign policy interests and the allegations against South Africa regarding its relationship with various global powers, including Hamas, Beijing, Moscow and Tehran, and highlights the complexities and challenges of navigating international relations in a rapidly changing geo political landscape. While Professor Stradham emphasized the importance of understanding the motivations behind the bill and the potential consequences of bilateral trade, diplomatic ties, as well as foreign aid. And he highlighted also the need for South Africa to address the United States' concerns and clarify its stance on key issues such as non-alignment and neutrality. Furthermore, the discussion also shed light on how African countries um, 
are perceiving South Africa. And it seems to be a very neutral stance that they've taken, seeing that we haven't heard from any of them or uh, nothing being said or the potential humanitarian consequences of the uh, actions in the in Gaza that underscore the importance of regional actors and international cooperation in mitigating conflicts and promoting stability. Ultimately, the outcome of this proposed bill remains uncertain, but what is clear is that it underscores the need for continued dialogue, diplomacy and cooperation between the United States and South Africa to address shared challenges and pursue mutual interests in a rapidly changing world. And we thank Professor Straden for his insights and expertise on this very complex issue.